When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hello, people. Welcome to After Nine. What's good? What's good, everybody? What's good? Are you, um, how do you, how do you like this heat? How do you feel about it? I know that you, you don't tend to be a complainer of the heat and that's great. And that's what I really like about you is, I mean, we, we go through all of these miserable freezing cold months. So you and I both make an effort to not complain. How did you feel this weekend with those, with those very hot temperatures? Cause this week's going to be hot all the way through. Yeah. I mean, I'm fat, right? So it's obviously... <laughs> It's a little more uncomfortable for guys like me. Like, okay, that's not you know, where I was expecting that to go, but okay. Well, I mean, if I decide I'm going to lift up my beer gut a little bit, it's a little sweat under there. That's just the way it works. <laughs> okay, it's we little... get that under our boobs as women, so we get it. I get it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, balls stick to your legs. Your fat has a little sweat under it. It's, it's fucking gross is what it is. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. I like the heat. I'll take the heat over the cold any time. Yeah. And I know that people think that that's backwards. There's a lot of people out there who think, yeah, you'd really rather it be cold because you can always bundle up to get warm, but it's very difficult to get cool when it's hot. I understand that argument. I just hate being cold. So this, it's good, but the air is thick right mm-hmm. now. I mean, it's gross outside. It's like snorting hot sauce when you take a <laughs> breath. And then the worst part is every time you're outside, and you get back inside and the air conditioning is on, the air is probably set to a reasonable temperature. But you think to yourself, holy fuck, it's freezing in here. Yeah, you do. It's really not. You're just not acclimatized to it. I've done that before, too. And I stomp toward my my nest, right, to see what temperature it is. Oh, who turned it down to 20 degrees? This is ridiculous. And then you look, it's like 27. You're like, oh, okay. So it just feels like it. All right. (laughs) Uh, For our American friends and listeners... I get that you guys don't understand Celsius, which is weird to me that in 2021, you guys haven't converted. You're still doing the Fahrenheit thing. It feels like it's about 100 degrees today, Fahrenheit. Like around 100 is what it feels like, about 97, 98 degrees. I do do some work, um, like some voice work uh, with a company from Texas. They're awesome people. And they were, their temperatures were around the same as ours. And they were, the guy was like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? You know, I I can't wait. It's going to be like 90 degrees. So I did the quick math on it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, same here. And they were very confused. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, seriously? You still think that we just live in igloos at this time? I'm like, it's fucking hot. But I enjoy the nights. These are my favorite kind of nights. If I can sit outside comfortably in, in shorts and a T-shirt uh, or a tank top or a, or a dress, summer dress and Dude. feel completely comfortable at the, the 20-degree mark, right, overnight, that's my favorite. Oh, I, I just love it. I lived outside all weekend. I loved it. Uh, it was your birthday weekend. Did you have a great time? I did. I had a. Did really you intentionally time. censor photos, or were you too drunk to take them? You know what? I I no. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't. I, I didn't know what, what the questions would be like because I did have a few people over, 
And during the day, it was very chill, like vi- like like any other day. Honestly, I had ta- like stuff I had to get done. I had errands to run. It was the typical stuff that I do on a weekend uh, during the day, except for, um, you know, I had presents with the family. My parents came over and then toward the evening, it, it was nice. It was still quite sh- quite like low key, which, you know, it should be. But I had a fire. I really just wanted to have like a nice bonfire in the backyard. And we did that. And we did s'mores and hot dogs. Seems like fire weather. Good for you. Yeah, you know, it was was nice. (laughs) It was really nice. I did that and then moved it up to the party zone, which is my balcony. And I've got a fire thing up there, too. And the neighbors came over. Because we we were sick of talking to each other from our from our balcony, so I'm like, just get over here and have some drinks. And then my, do you have a vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> if you <laughs> we do, all... I can make you a Ryan well, Coke. Here's the thing: is I felt like if I posted photos of the people that came over, and there were my uncle and aunt sh- showed up too and surprised me, which was awesome. I I miss them so much. I haven't been able to see them. They live in Milton. They you know them, uh, Phil and I, and it was so cool that they showed up. We were we're all actually a um, couple of them are fully vaxxed, but we're all at least half vaxxed. But you know, when you po- want to post things like that or stories about you, I don't want the questions. There's still going to be people being like, oh, it looks like more than five people. Look, we were actually distanced. Maybe it won't look like it from a certain angle here or there. They're my family. Like my neighbors came by too. Yes, but fully vaccinated. So, but why do you, you know, I didn't find the the desire to have to answer to those people asking those questions. So that's kind of why I kept it. I kept it away. I, I did put it on my Snapchat, which is really only my close friends and family. Nobody should have to, but people are judgy bastards lately. And you know what? There's people out there that break the rules all the time, but they see somebody else breaking the rules and they feel a need to weigh in on it. Yeah. I don't understand why. We're not under a stay-at-home order anymore. We're not in step one, but we're not under a stay-at-home order. We know things are safe. I mean, across Canada, there was 1,400 cases yesterday. Under 1,400 nationally the entire massive country had less than 1400 cases i'm really i'm thrilled and i i know i'm trying to i try not to get excited early but i think that what we're doing is awesome right now like i no thanks to our governments but whatever we'll save that for another another moment i'm sure that'll pop up again soon but the vac the amount of vaccinations are going in arms are obviously helping because we had that long weekend just a few weeks ago and i thought okay here we go there's going to be a bump right we're going to get over a thousand cases eventually and we did come come close over the weekend and then it dropped back down. I can't wait to see today's numbers because it looks like I think we're we're. Th- I don't want to. I don't want to say it out loud, but I seriously think that we're through the worst of it. Like we are getting better. I mean, you're absolutely right. Things are things are coming up. Step one, apparently, sooner than than we were expecting. And I still think we should probably just go right to step two. Quite honestly, Scott, because mm. I know a lot of these businesses can do it well. And you're right. People have still been breaking rules, yet we're still able to keep under a thousand case count in Ontario and across the board, 1400 across Canada. Like that's insane. There was two provinces that even had a death yesterday. Two, good. Ontario and Manitoba. Ah, we need this good news. This is great though. You know, no deaths in BC, Alberta, Quebec, and the list goes on. Like, Honestly, what the fuck are we doing? It's insane to me, namely because I'm embarrassed. I talk to people that are family over in the UK or friends down in America, and they're like, what, what do you mean you can't get your hair cut? What are you talking about? Are you kidding? Is it really bad there? And I tell them, no, the entire country had 1,400 cases yesterday. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. Why are you closed? And I don't have a good reason for them. I I really can't explain it, but here's how it works on the calendar, everybody. This Thursday, 
is probably the day we're going to go to step one. Doug, who spent the weekend again, radio silence, not saying a word, still buying into this. If I shut up, people will forget what a dick I was. So he's not saying anything. He should be doing a news conference today if Thursday is going to be the day. But it looks like Thursday we will go to step one. The only reason we're going to step one on Thursday is because exactly three weeks from Thursday is Canada Day. And I don't think they want to have all this shit shut down on Canada Day. Or maybe they do. Do they want us to? Are are they still trying to protect us and bubble wrap us uh, over long weekends so that we don't spike cases? Or do you think they want to be able to say Canada Day 2021, Ontario's reopened? What do you think is the strategy here? Are they trying to avoid it? Yeah, I think that I think that you're right. I, I, I think that they're, they want things open in time for Canada Day because they know that it's inevitable. The people will want to do these things. And if you take a little gander, for those that haven't, if you take a little gander at what step two entails, there's definitely a little bit more that we can do, which is great. But it does give more options for a little bit of an outdoor event. And maybe that's what should be encouraged. We should look at step two and go, we want that by then. So let's keep going the way that we're going, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the government is thinking that they can just keep prolonging bad news because when they give the good news, people will forget about the bad. Exactly. So I think Doug's plan is he'll come out there and say, we're going to step one early, everybody, because you've all done such a good job, folks. We can go to step one early. So this Thursday or this Friday, you can do it. And maybe it will be Friday because three weeks from that would be uh, July 2nd, but that's when things would reopen. Most places are closed on Canada Day anyway. So either way, it looks like before this coming weekend, we'll be in step one. And I think when Doug says, you know what? You guys can have a outdoor drink on a patio, but no more than four people to a table. And and you can open up all those non-essential stores again, but no more than 15% capacity. I think he thinks people are going to be like, hallelujah, great, we're reopening. Right. Guys, we're not reopen until the restrictions are gone. Yeah. And and there's some restrictions that are very common sense that wouldn't surprise me if they last a while. But there's just no good reason to keep these hair salons closed. <laughs> Why are we punishing people? Thank what the you. fuck? Yeah. Why on earth are the salons going to be closed until at least yep. July 2nd? Yep. And and the when it comes to like personal fitness and training and gyms, same thing. It's it's still not going to be open until uh, July or end of July, actually, the way that it's looking, except for outdoor classes, which for some people just can't work. They can't do that. So, uh, and you're absolutely right. Okay, I've been to the hair salon two, three times, right, during COVID protocols in place. I have never been to a more safe environment. I feel, right. I felt so safe being there. In fact, I thought, oh, damn, okay, they're taking this real seriously compared to all the other places I've been able to walk into in person. So that part really does, it does bother me. It does. I wish that we could at least zap right on over to to step two. Uh, in some cases, I think step three, Scott, but I understand the, the hesitancy to not do that. But man, when I take a look at what step three looks like, I think we could probably make that, we could probably make that work. We could. I mean, the difference in step three from step two is you can allow more people into a non-essential store, but it's finally percentage based instead of an arbitrary number. Mm -hmm. Remember back around Christmas time when they were like, no more than 10 people indoors. 
Yeah. Well, that didn't make sense because some places are massive places. So finally, they've listened and they've made it a percentage-based thing. That's good. Uh, Indoor dining, four people at a table. I don't understand why we can't do that, even at this point. Guys, low cases is low cases. And I, I just don't understand why we're still spinning our wheels here. And a perfect example of how out of touch our government is, and this one is federal, the federal government has approved a travel exemption for the first two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs that will allow NHL teams to cross the Canada-U.S. border without quarantining. And some people read the headline and thought, oh, here we go. Rules for thee, but not for me. The rich hockey players get to cross the border without quarantining. It's a fucking gauntlet what we're going to put these players through. They have to have a pre-departure test. They get tested again when they get here. They will be tested every single day that they're here, and they have to remain in a modified bubble, meaning they can't leave the hotel unless it's to go directly to the rink and then back to the hotel. Mm -hmm. They're in jail. These are fully vaccinated, healthy hockey players. And and it's funny, I was having this conversation with somebody on the Scott and Cat Facebook page this morning, and this person just recycling the same garbage that you hear on in a lot of social media posts. Well, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't be a carrier. Really? Are we worried about that? Right. Are we really worried that one of the members of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights is carrying COVID and he's going to start the fourth wave in Canada because he came up for a hockey game against the Habs? Really? Are we worried about that? It, to me, it, vaccinated means vaccinated, and maybe you can carry it, maybe you can't, maybe it's a higher load, maybe it's a lower load, we don't know. But either way, if vaccinations mean anything, then they've got to stop this bullshit. If they want to test them on arrival, I'm totally okay with it. Hey, you're double vaccinated, take a quick rapid test here. If it's clean in 15 minutes, you can go and enjoy your time here in Canada. And I wouldn't even blame the Americans if they wanted to test them when they came back into the States to make sure they aren't bringing it from Mm -hmm. Canada. But why the fuck are we making them stay in a bubble, can't leave your hotel, testing every single day, pre-departure, on arrival? Why? It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Well, and And, that's fine because it does at least deter some of the people who will say they shouldn't be here at all. So, okay, fine for me. But let's all keep in mind, for those who don't like this, we have to start somewhere with this shit. What, do you want to stay in the bubble forever? You want to stay in this place forever? Like, this is good news. It means we can slowly get out of this. And if, sure, I understand that you might assume, oh, it's only because they're making money. Yeah, I mean, we have to start back with some forms of normalcy. And this is just one of those that are going to pop up. There's going to be more of them. This is just one example of many that are going to start to pop up where our government or whomever it might be, it might even be a local situation. Then they say, okay, we're ready for this now. So there's always going to be people pissed off along the way thinking we're not ready. Other people thinking we've been ready for a while for it. You know, it's all part of the process. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, this residential school story is just fucking yeah eating away at me. It's so fucking bad. You what know, happened? It's, I, it's just first of all, I think most people realize it is just the tip of the iceberg. 
I hope people realize that. I, I, it's amazing how much this conversation is happening. And I guess it's good that a conversation is happening. But one of the things that I hear the most, anybody I talk to about this says, I don't remember hearing about that in history class. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's accurate. And it's, I, I had a conversation with my dad over the weekend about this. And he said, Kat, like you realize this is just this is being talked about again we've this conversation has happened it just went so low-key and dropped out that people either a forgot about it or b it was somehow you know buried um somewhere where like nobody brought it back up again but this needs to be talked about and and i'm with those people i did not even know about it i wasn't aware and maybe that's my bad but i have done my research since then i've been working on doing my research because there's obviously so much to learn I mean, as my dad pointed out to me, and I didn't even know, like apparently the Catholic Church had already apologized for it many, many years ago, We knowing that this shit would happen. It's just now we have the technology to see this proof of it, and now people are outraged. We should have been outraged for years, and we should be outraged for years about it. It's fucking disgusting. Well, it, it's a... Uh... I think it's politics. I think, again, it comes down to politics, and that's what's so frustrating. I mean... Those bodies that they discovered in Kamloops, 215 children in a mass grave. That's disgusting. But, guys, there were dozens and dozens of residential schools across Canada, and there's no reason to think every one of those properties doesn't have bodies buried on the Mm -hmm. property. They likely do. And our government has known that for a very long time. Why did it take until 215 bodies were discovered for the federal government to say, okay, let's go and examine all of the properties? Yeah, like this is. Why did it take this to prompt it? We've known about this for a very, very long time. Well, I think that it, from what I've heard, and maybe this is just a big fat excuse, and please, for the people who know more about this particular technology, please correct me if I'm wrong. But with this technology, which is newer, either newer or we didn't have it as accessible or didn't use it but it was the technology that found it this underground ground radar is that what it's called whatever it is apparently it's radar or sonar Sonar? but i also don't know the difference between the two so that's what brought this to light i mean is that technology so they're probably going to go ahead and use the excuse of we didn't have the technology to find out exactly where they were buried and what you know if even if they had to answer to it they'd probably say what did you expect us to dig up the grounds all the way around these schools i mean yeah you could have yeah you there i know a lot of i can think of a million things you guys spend millions of dollars on a year that could have probably been pushed to the side because this is a big fucking deal you know Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, at the Vatican yesterday, Pope Francis expressed pain over the discovery in B.C., but he did not offer the apology that was requested by the prime minister. And there's more to this because I think, again, people saw the headline that the pope refused to apologize and got very, very angry about that. And maybe that's rightfully so. But then the uh, Archbishop of Toronto Cardinal Thomas Collins, he actually addressed it head on. I watched an interview with him yesterday and he said, listen, if there's anybody that has records related to the residential schools, they should release those. Nobody should be hanging on to them. But he accused the prime minister of spinning this. And that does sound about right. So basically what he said was, we've released all of our records. They're in a BC museum right now for anyone to see. We don't have any hidden records that are buried somewhere in the archives of the Vatican. If there are some, they should be released, but I don't think that those exist. So I'm not exactly sure 
do I believe the church on this or do I believe our government? I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because Cardinal Collins pointed out the um, the prime minister is being unfair in his comments where he's blaming the entire thing, the residential schools on the church. Cardinal Collins says the Catholic Church needs to take responsibility, but we need to work with the Canadian government to help separate unhelpful information and make this based on facts. And the fact is that there was a very long time in the residential school system that the Catholic Church was not involved. The federal government took those schools over from the Catholic Church. So, I mean, I, I fully admit. I don't know enough about it. I really wish we did learn more about this. It may be uncomfortable to have to discuss these topics in school. But when you think about what you do learn in a Canadian history class, there's a lot of shit you don't learn about. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember taking history when I was in school. And, you know, we learned about the, the War of 1812, the Rebellion of 1837. Briefly, around Remembrance Day, we touched on Juno Beach and things like that. I don't remember learning anything about residential schools, and I don't understand why. Like, there's a lot of older people alive today that were alive during the residential schools, and I haven't even had a chance to talk to any of them to find out what was it like like, growing up in the 60s in Canada. Were people talking about these residential schools? Was this like common knowledge or was this real underground low-key shit? I really wish I could understand it because to me, it seems like Canada committed genocide. Yeah, it, that's the way it feels to me. It's almost at this point they have to prove they didn't. For me, thank you. That's a great way to put it. the The onus should almost be on us to prove we didn't, and I don't know that we can based on the limited information that we have so far. But step one, you can't have reconciliation without truth. We need to know the truth, and they need to get the grounds of every residential school examined. And if there is documents related to this. If we have names and dates that people died and how they died and all that sort of shit, that should become public. Mm -hmm. If it is public and and the government's trying to make it look like the Vatican is hiding something, that's a problem, too. Everybody's got to tell the truth. Yes, and do it quickly because guess what? As the kids say, we're woke now. I mean, we're woke. We know what's going on. So let's go with the information. I agree with you. The more information we have, the better a decision that we can all make on this and figure out the question is, I mean, the damage is done is the the other part of this that's so disturbing and so sad that the damage is done. I'm not sure what could be done, but knowing the truth is a massive step. You're right. Uh, police are investigating after a statue of Egerton Ryerson was toppled in Toronto yesterday. Oh. The statue was displayed prominently on the campus of Ryerson University, uh, but it came under renewed scrutiny after that discovery in Kamloops, B.C., They say Ryerson is credited as one of the architects of Canada's residential school system. Again, I don't know enough about this, but somebody did ask me on Twitter about this this morning. And, you know, I really would like to be part of the solution here, but I don't know enough about Egerton Ryerson's involvement in the residential school system. That's part of all of us need to learn a bit more about it. One thing I will say is I've never agreed with defacing that property. There is people down in the States for the last year that have been toppling statues and vandalizing them and so on and so forth. I I definitely think it's worth having a conversation about that sort of thing, but I don't think people should arbitrarily take that into their own hands and just hook up a rope to the back of a pickup truck and haul down a bronze statue. If it's going to come down, 
Let's make some informed decisions and make a decision as part of the reconciliation process to take it down. For protesters to spray paint the shit out of it and just drag it off and break the goddamn thing, I I don't know that that's helpful. I I really don't. I'm not in favor of vandalism. So call it what it is. I don't believe you should vandalize things. But I definitely think that we should have a conversation about that. So in short, I believe it was Brandon that tweeted me this morning. That's my... uh, my take on defacing these statues and arbitrarily okay. hauling them down. Um, should I give a fuck about Logan Paul? Because um, he's now had two very <laughs> successful boxing matches. And last night against Floyd Mayweather, I don't know if Floyd went easy on him or if Floyd's no. just getting old or if Logan Paul's a better fighter than we think. But that fight doesn't, it shouldn't have gone eight rounds. See, and it's funny. I remember when we first talked about this. When it was first announced, the fight, you thought it was hilarious because you're like, this is not even going to last a minute. The pre-performers, I believe, was the joke, is that that, that would last longer, right? The performances ahead of the match was going to last way longer. But here's there's something about Logan Paul. And yes, you're right. Those factors are all true. Uh, Floyd Mayweather is not getting younger, and Logan Paul's much younger than Floyd Mayweather. He's also very cocky and confident, which bodes very, very well for that sport. It just, the the more cocky you are, the better. Uh, The better you seem to get, uh, for the most part. But Logan Paul's one of those people who just pisses people off. Some people hate that guy's guts, and I understand, because he is that personality type. You know, same thing could be said for Floyd Mayweather, and same thing could be said for, like, uh, your Conor Conor McGregor's of the world, right? Mm-hmm. But I had a feeling Logan Paul would do would do well with this because he has apparently been training his ass off. And as much as you want to hate the guy, you got to give him a little bit of credit because he lasted he lasted a good while. And I'm not sure if Floyd Mayweather has done any like post uh, match interviews or anything, but I'm curious to see if he got he felt he got taken down a notch because of that. They say it, it was going to be knockout or nothing to determine a winner. They say they weren't scoring the fight, but anybody who was actually keeping score realizes that Mayweather comfortably won the match. He landed the most punches and the most power blows. Okay. I mean, Mayweather won, but nobody actually won. It's a draw. I think the fact that Logan Paul went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather could probably knock most people out with one punch. I don't know how Logan Paul took that many punches and stayed on his feet. It's fucked up to me unless it's fixed, but it doesn't seem fixed. It just seems very unbelievable, you know? I don't, I, I, I see no scenario where it could be fixed because Floyd Mayweather doesn't need the money. You know, why, it, the only reason why he would be okay with it being fixed, and I think more about him than Logan Paul. Logan Paul would probably be down with fixing anything for money. He seems like that kind of person. Floyd yeah. Mayweather does not want his confidence shaken by anybody or him being talked shit about for any amount of money because he is rich. He doesn't need it. I, I don't see a point in that. I don't see that being a scenario at all. On our website, you can see the winners from last night's 50th anniversary of the Juno Awards. Was it 50 years? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, for 50 years, we've been celebrating the best in Canadian music. And last night, a very modern take with The Weeknd and Justin Bieber and Shawn Mendes and Alessia Cara all featured prominently. This distant shit has got to end because these (laughs) award shows are... Actually, you know what? Maybe distance helped the Junos last night. I, I, I fully believe that it actually made the award show seem like every other award show this year, which isn't a bad thing for the Junos at all. In previous years, you had a lot of issues having people show up to it at all. 
uh, or give any fucks. Every now and again, you'd be able to highlight one person who'll be in attendance or one performer, and you're lucky if you can make that work, and that's usually a deal with the label. And trust me, a lot of shit happens behind the scenes to get that to happen. And I used to work for the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, so I could tell you a couple of things, but I will hold off telling you too much. And what I will say is, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a difficult award show to get people to attend, especially once they make it big, which, you know, judge people as you will for that. You know, sometimes when people make it big, they, they end up fucking off and going to L.A. They'd rather go do the Billboard Awards, thank you very much. And can you really blame them? I don't, I don't know. But last well. night made it seem a lot more like every other award show in a, in a decent way. We were able to have Justin Bieber perform on the show because he did that from a distance, you know, and all of those performances did not happen in-house live, as most people know, because of restrictions. So they were able to submit their performances, which allowed for people like Justin Bieber to submit a performance. So that part was kind of cool to see that happen. And also because it was the 50th, they had no problem getting videos, or maybe they did have problems, but it seemed very effortless to have Celine Dion uh, come up on screen and say a couple of words, and Shania Twain, and everybody else who's been so big throughout the years for Canadian music. So I think it actually helped them more so than anything else this year to be able to do it in a distanced way. Well, that'll be Trudeau's next thing, is we've got to extend the pandemic so that we can continue to have successful Juno Awards. Right, right. Uh, One thing I will mention here, though, and you've mentioned this, I've always had a problem with the way the Canadian system works. Canadian broadcasters and several other sources are mandated with supporting Canadian talent. That's part of the, the big controversy that you've been hearing about, where the Canadian government is trying to get more Canadian content featured on streaming services and things like that mm-hmm. to the point where they're actually going to legislate it. Well, broadcasters, particularly radio, have to play a certain amount of Canadian music. And it's weird because Canadian artists, when they're first getting discovered, benefit greatly from that. I mean, it's not a coincidence that you hear so much Sean Mendez and Alessia Cara and Justin Bieber and The Weeknd and stuff on Canadian radio because 35% minimum of their playlist needs to be those Canadian artists. And while that's good, it shows that they're doing great, that they're succeeding in America. Awesome. There are a lot of Canadian artists who basically get that that elite status and say, all right, fuckers, I'm out of here. And then they do go to L.A. and you can't get them at the Junos. And it's kind of like. Did you use us just to get big in America and forget all about us? I've always appreciated the Canadian artists that do come back and do Canadian mm-hmm. shit and, and don't think, oh, well, I mean, I could be performing at the Billboards or the American Music Awards or the MTV Awards. Why would I do the Junos? Blah, blah, blah. It's not even shown in America. Because that was part of how you got discovered. And certain artists, I feel, appreciate that. And certain ones, I think, just take it for granted. Yeah. It's a little frustrating when it comes to those artists and, you know, one that will pop into my mind every now and again is Drake. But he does a lot in Canada. He does a lot in Canada. Is he going to be the first to show up at Juno's? No, he also doesn't really like award shows. But one thing that is true that I try to keep in mind when it comes to these artists, their life changes so much. A lot of them live in the States. Like, Mm -hmm. let's keep in mind so many of them will move to the States. You know, you can name tons. You know, Sean Mendez and Justin Bieber have homes in the States and Drake has another place in the States too. A lot of these, I mean, Shania Twain, um, you know, a ton of them have, do not necessarily just call Canada home anymore. So their life has changed so much through the years and they are influenced as they grow as artists. They're influenced by America just as much as they were when they started by Canada. So I don't 
tend to talk shit too much shit about those artists. I don't like our Canadian content rules at all when it comes to music, though. That's the part that that I, I do get really upset about. Uh, and I'm sure we've gone into details about that before. But some of the Canadian artists that, yes, were homegrown, if you will, but because they produce things in the States and because they live in the States and they happen to have, you know, whatever, the, the studio in the States and someone else who wrote it is whatever the case might be. It's not considered a Canadian song. That's the part that bothers me because that is homegrown Canadian talent. It just so happens that the resources that they need and require the most to be on the labels that they want to be on are across the border. So I don't necessarily blame them for not showing up to these kinds of award shows when they do have a whole other life there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Justin Bieber, Drake, Weekend. I'm not so much Alessia Cara, but there's a lot of those big, huge Canadian artists that don't count as Canadian music. Like Justin Bieber was born and raised in Stratford, and most of his music doesn't count as Canadian. And that is a frustrating thing, too. You're, You're absolutely right. Uh, one thing I do want to mention before we go is a warm welcome to a brand new podcast sponsor. He actually sponsors our FM radio show, too, on 91.5 The Beat in Kitchener. But welcome to the Tony Joe Hall real estate team. Uh, Tony's a great guy, and he's a real estate specialist for Waterloo Region. So if maybe you're listening in, I don't know, the GTA, thinking, hmm. You know, and I maybe I should explore going a little further west. You know, we're going to have two way all day go to Kitchener soon. Maybe I'd like to save a little bit of money on a home or maybe my money would go further and get me a double car garage in a backyard if I went to Kitchener. Yeah, all that's true. And Tony can walk you through that process if you're thinking about relocating. And he's a really good guy, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. Happy belated to-, to him, by the way. He t- his birthday was yesterday. So happy belated to Tony Joe Hall as well. So that, what a cool birthday gift. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Happy birthday, Tony. And to you, you guys share a birthday weekend. How about that? Yeah, very <laughs> exciting. He really is a great, I mean, you're you're right, Scott. He, he is fabulous. We will probably have him on the podcast to talk a little bit about real estate, especially to those curious coming from the GTA. I have had countless DMs from people who used to listen to us on our old FM radio show because they lived in the GTA and ended up moving to Kitchener-Waterloo. So perhaps mm-hmm. that might be you. You're considering the move for all those reasons Scott mentioned. Tony's a, definitely a great fit for that. He knows what he's doing there. Well, I, I do agree with you that we should have Tony on because he can have a very frank conversation about the real estate market. And one of the things that's getting discussed a lot lately is housing affordability. If you're not already in the market, it's very, very, very difficult to get into the market. And they've tried certain things in the past. Oh, we're going to cool the real estate market. I don't know. I mean, anytime I've seen the government try to do that, it doesn't seem to work. The only thing that seems to bring down real estate prices is an absolute crash of the real estate market. And I don't think anybody wants that. So how do you make it more affordable? Well, I mean, there's no shortage of people that think part of it is in the process of buying itself. The fact that there's so many bidding wars. So I'd like to talk to Tony about that and a few other things. So, yeah, I mean, we'll book him and get him on soon and ask him some frank questions about affordability and maybe even about moving to to the Waterloo region where uh, Tony is a specialist there. So that's good. Is there anything else you want to cover here? Um, I think that's about it. Uh, welcome to the world. Lilibet. Lilibet. Mountbatten. I... Diana. Mountbatten. Windsor. Exactly. I want to see the birth certificate and driver's license to see how all that's going to fit on one line. <laughs> that's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's daughter, by the way. And there are some people who truly don't give a fuck. So we'll just mention that in short that, yeah, she had her second baby. Lilibet is Queen Elizabeth's nickname because when she was little, she couldn't pronounce her name. So she said Lilibet. 
cute. That's adorable. Yeah, it's cute. Uh, and they've got that, uh, they've got a boy and a girl, newlyweds living in L.A. They're having a pretty good time in life mm-hmm. right now, I have to think. So looks like they finally found a bit of happiness, those two. So congratulations to them as well. Have yourselves a fantastic Monday, everybody. Um, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Just before we go, I know people that only get this podcast on Apple Podcast were like, where's the podcast on Friday? That's totally an Apple thing, guys. It has nothing to do with us. The Friday podcast was up Friday on Spotify and Google and Podkicker and Podbean and all the other podcast apps. It's just for whatever reason, Apple podcast is so slow to update. So if you didn't get Fridays, it is there for sure now. It took a couple days to post, but go back and give Fridays a listen. That was a lot of fun. We will hopefully know more about step one by tomorrow's episode in the meantime stay cool hydrate sunscreen on (laughs) hat on your head (laughs) sunglasses on have a great day guys bye the after nine podcast is powered by tony johal broker at remax twin city your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it